Every now and then, I find myself watching one of those nature documentaries. Do you ever flip one of those on and, and, and watch those for a while? And, and it seems like I watch a lot of those shows that are about lions and lions taking down their, their prey. And you've probably seen something like that. You know, you'll, you'll see the lions out there on the edge in the savanna. And then you've got this huge herd of water buffalo. Those things are, they are massive and they are ugly, you know. And, and the lions will start circling and getting closer and closer to the water buffalo. And, and it seems like they, they, they find one, you know. They, they find one that maybe he's got a hurt leg and he's a little lame or he's a little slow. He can't keep up. Maybe it's an older one and it can't keep up with the, with the younger ones. And so the lions start targeting that, that one water buffalo and they kind of start circling in and, and they finally get him alone and they attack. And then, you know, the, the rest of the herd just scatters and they attack that one lone water buffalo. And usually that's when the narrator comes on and he's got this very smooth British accent as he explains the situation out there and says, thus is the great circle of life is completed. I'm like, I know that, you know. I had to watch Lion King like a hundred times when Megan was little. I, I know all about the great circle of life. But every now and then, there's that one video where the lions are attacking the, uh, the water buffalo and things just don't go the way they had planned. You know, things don't go so well for the lions and, and they start circling and they start picking out that one prey, that, that one water buffalo, and suddenly the whole herd turns on them. And, and the lion's day is ruined, right? You, you've seen those videos? And, and instead of being the, the, the hunter, suddenly he's the prey and he is running and his eyes are wide open. And, and, and there's something about those videos that I, I absolutely love. You know, and seeing the, the predator getting trampled. And, and I know that, you know, it's bad for the lion because suddenly, you know, the, the great circle of life isn't working out so well for him. And, and the lions have to eat. But there's just something so satisfying about watching the predator turning and running for his life. I think maybe it's because too often in life we feel like we're the prey. Too often we feel like the prey. There's times when we feel very alone and we feel cut off from our friends and from our families. Sometimes we feel abandoned and we're kind of like that water buffalo. That someone, somehow we are hurt, we are wounded, and we wonder, where's our herd? Where, why isn't anyone protecting us? And it seems like in that moment, our enemy, and, and Peter refers to our enemy as a, as a roaring lion, right? Seeking whom he may devour, that our enemy attacks us. And our enemy makes us feel worthless. And, and in those moments, it's not just that we are devoured, it's that our faith is devoured. We've been looking through Colossians. And, and as we've looked through Colossians, Paul has already warned us about these attacks and the struggles that we face in this world and the, the problems we have with those who would attack us. He said back in chapter 1, verse 22, he said, He, that is Christ, has reconciled in His body of flesh by His death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. And that's wonderful, but then the very next verse has that big if. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the Gospel you heard. There's that if. 
And it sounds like it's entirely up to us as individuals. If I lose faith, then I have failed. But what we need to see is that Jesus has called us out together. He has called us into a herd that we call the church. And if our faith is to survive, it will survive together. That means we have a responsibility to one another. One of the most important elements of the Christian life is the life that we do together. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 2 today. We finally made it to chapter 2. It's still on page 983 in those blue Bibles in front of you if you want to grab one of those Bibles and follow along. Let me remind you a little bit about this town, this church that Paul is writing to. Colossae was a little town between two big towns. About 13 miles in one direction, there was a big town. About 13 miles in the other direction, there was another big town. Colossae was stuck in the middle. And Colossae was facing some hard economic times. And in fact, within the next hundred years, Colossae would be a ghost town. This town would just absolutely be gone. But I also want to remind you that Paul has never been here before. Paul would love to come visit the Colossians, but he's in prison. So he's a little busy right now. He can't quite get out and come visit. So he's writing to encourage them. Encourage this little church in this little town because he wants them to know that they are important, that they have purpose where they are planted, and that they need to live up to that purpose. And to do that, to live up to that purpose, they have to live up to it together. They have to do life together. Colossians chapter 2, 1 through 5. Paul writes, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea. Laodicea was another town just down the road from them. It's another one of those towns in the area. How great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I say this in order that no one may delude you with with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. There was a danger for the church in Colossae. There was a danger to this little herd. And that's why Paul was writing this letter. In verse 4, he says that there are those who would like to delude you. There are those who would like to deceive you. There were people that wanted to divide this church and break it up. And when they did that, when they divided the church, they would pick off the weak ones and lead them astray. And so Paul himself, Paul is personally invested in the health of this church. That's why he says in verse 1, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. It's really a continuation of what he said back in, at the very end of chapter 1. He said, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy, Christ's energy that works so powerfully within me. What he wanted them to see and what, what we need to see for our church is that we need to be personally invested in each other. So what does this life of being called out look like when it's lived out together. That's expressed in some different ways here. In verse 2, he refers to the life that we live together, and he refers to it as the desire that our hearts might be encouraged. Now, I think there are a few words 
in the Bible more important for us to understand than the word encourage. Encourage is a very important word. Uh, you've heard over and over again for me through this series that the word church literally means called out. Some of you are mumbling it very well. Thank you very much. The word church literally means to be called out. That is, uh, that is a very literal definition of that phrase. Well, the word encourage in Scripture has the same root word as the word for church. But instead of being called out, encourage means that we are called together. That we are called alongside each other. And it's a beautiful thing this morning as I'm mentioning this, as I'm preaching this, because I am seeing this lived out right now. The, the imagery of being called alongside someone, it is literally the picture of putting your arm around them and going through life together. I'm seeing it right there. I'm seeing it right over here too and in a few other places. It's a beautiful image that no matter what you're going through, no matter what the struggle, no matter what the pain, whatever the problem is, or whatever the joy is, that someone is going to put their arm around you and they are going to walk through life with you. That we have been called together to encourage one another. And it's so vital that we see just how important encouragement is for the life of the church. If you went back to John chapter 16, you would find Jesus telling His disciples about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And He tells them, He says, unless I go away, the Father can't send the Spirit. And He, he talks about the Holy Spirit coming and what the Spirit is going to do for them. And in verse 7 of John chapter 16, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the Helper or the Counselor or the Comforter. But it's the same word that's used for encourage here. He says, unless I go away, the encourager can't come. And the image of the Holy Spirit is someone that puts his arm around us and walks through life with us, that God's presence is right there as the encourager. There are a lot of people in this world. There are a lot of Christians who are looking for some experience of the Holy Spirit. They want some experience of the Holy Spirit. They're looking for some supernatural experience, something that will prove to them that God is there, that He is a part of their lives. And they want to look for those experiences in all different places. They want those experiences in miracles. They want signs. They want to speak in tongues. They want to do all of these wonderful things and these amazing displays of God's supernatural presence. But the very first thing that Jesus tells us about the Holy Spirit is that He comes alongside us. And the very description that Paul uses to tell us what the church does is that we come alongside each other. So if I put those together, if I'm going to find an experience of the Holy Spirit, where am I going to find it? Am I going to find it out there on my own somewhere? Or am I going to find it here doing life together? Am I going to find it here as we're coming alongside each other and caring for each other? This past Tuesday, I sent out my email and I asked a question. I said, what is the most encouraging thing someone has done for you? It was a pretty simple question. And the responses I got, what amazed me was none of them were huge. 
None of them were, were great big things. All the responses were, were very simple, and every one of them was a story about how someone had come alongside you in a moment of need. Maxine talked about how when, when she and Jim lost Jason, how people came alongside them, people came to visit them and, and cared for them. Kim Down said, hands down, the most encouraging thing was for Alyssa. The, the town, the church came together. People that didn't even know her were praying for her. Paulette Burgett said, the way people pray for our family in difficult times. This community has taken us with open arms and grieved with us and helped us through challenges with prayers and a smile and a hug when we needed it and even when we didn't know we needed it. What a blessing this community has been. Every one of those responses and, and many more that I got also, every one of them was an exact picture of what it means to be an encourager, to put your arm around someone and walk through life with them. Everyone was an example of what you do for each other and what the Holy Spirit does for us. Danny was talking about some of the posts on Facebook this morning. And like you, I, I see a lot of posts on Facebook. Like you, I see people who have huge friends lists. I mean, great, big friends lists. Thousands of friends. And yet, we've never been more alone in our lives. We've never been more alone in history. And I, I, think that's, I think that's how the enemy wants it. That's exactly what the enemy wants. He, wants. he wants us to feel like we are connected and yet to not really be connected. He wants us distracted. He wants us distracted with our own worries. He wants us distracted with our own plans, our, our own projects, and our own problems that we're not going to share with other people. Because as long as we are distracted, we can't be encouraged. We can't truly be with other people as long as we're distracted with all the other busyness and the things going on in our lives. But here's the other part of it. As long as we're distracted, we can't be the encouragers that other people need. We can't be there for someone else as long as we're distracted with our own activities, our own plans, our own problems. So Paul's desire for the Colossians is that their hearts be encouraged. And that's that's our desire for each other, that our hearts would be encouraged. That needs to be something people find here. He expresses that need in another way also. And he writes that our, uh, that our lives be knit together in love. That's the second expression there in verse 2. Verse 2, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. Being united in love, being knit together, to, to come together and make one. I want you to think about that for a moment, because if Paul's desire is that we be knit together in love, that means that something must be broken in us now. Uh, that at one point in our lives, something had to have been broken, that we came apart, that we weren't knit together in our lives as individuals or maybe even as a group. Do you remember when people used to fix things? <laughs> Do you remember when you used to, you used to fix things? You used to take something in if it needed to be fixed. You know, people don't do that anymore. We just throw stuff away. We don't fix it. We throw it away. I'm old enough and probably stubborn enough that I still try to fix things. You know, we were, we were discussing J.B. Weld this morning and how handy it is. You know, I've got my J.B. Weld and I've got these tools and I've got this and that and I can fix stuff. 
for a week or two. And for that week or two, the stuff's working. You know, if it, if it works for an extra day, I feel like I've accomplished something. You know, I've, I've done pretty well. But, but we don't fix stuff anymore. We, we, our TV breaks and we throw it away. No one fixes TVs. Our washer and dryer break. We throw it away and we go get something new. Is it any surprise we do that with relationships too? Relationships broken, we, we throw it away. And rather than work on it, rather than fixing it. Now, that, that's an awful thing when it happens in a family, but it's also an awful thing when it happens in a church. Because too often when we throw that church away and go find one that works, what we find out is it wasn't the church that was broken. It was us. We were broken. Paul says the desire is that our lives be knit together in love. That that phrase is also used of welding. It's the image of, of someone welding. I don't know if you know anything about welding, but metal is heated, it is joined together, it is melted together. And if you do it right, in the end, you don't have two pieces of metal, you have one piece of metal that has been united. You have one piece of metal in the end. And in the same way, uh, but, but it, you don't get that without heat. You don't get that without the heat of the welding process. And in the same way, we don't get our lives knit together without heat, without trial, without going through stuff together and staying together. We go through that stuff and we come out connected as one. I always have to be careful with these stories because uh, I haven't preached in a lot of churches. I, I've only had a few. And so, you know, other preachers have all these great stories where they say, well, well, church I used to preach at, and no one knows which church they're talking about. So I have to be really careful how I, how I tell those stories because I've only preached at a few of them. The one church I, I was preaching at, we, people had a hard time getting along together. <laughs> they, they had a hard time staying together. And they, they were always coming apart. And so we were in a meeting one night and we were talking about what can we do to encourage people to, to stick it out? What can we do to encourage people to be connected and to kind of kind of you know stay together here as a church? And we threw around some ideas and we had a lot of older members in that church and, uh, and they were frequently in the hospital. And so I said, you know what would be great? What if when someone was sick and in the hospital, what if we took them flowers? What, you know, dropped off some flowers and took those to them. And I thought it was a great idea. And immediately in the room, two or three people said, oh no, we can't do that. We can't, what do you got against flowers? You know, who doesn't like flowers? So what's, what's the problem? And that's when they told me the story that years earlier, years earlier, they had decided they were going to do that. They were going to take flowers to people. In fact, they had gone out and they had bought a bunch of vases, these little, little vases, and they, they kept those out, uh, you know, they, they had all the vases ready, and when somebody would end up in the hospital, they would take one of the vases, they would go out and buy flowers, and someone would take those flowers to them, and it was a great idea, and they started doing that. And then, a lady was in the hospital. They got the vase down. They were going to get ready to, to take those flowers to her, and so they, they wrote her name on a piece of paper and stuck it down at the bottom of the vase, and they were going to take that to the flower shop, get flowers, take them to the hospital. And she died. Well, a short time later, another lady went into the hospital. And so they took that vase, and they went out, they bought flowers, and they took it to her but they forgot to take the previous lady's name out of the piece of paper that was in the bottom 
of the vase, and she pitched a fit because they had given her used flowers. <laughs> you know, maybe they picked them up at the cemetery. You know, if you go out to the cemetery, if you go out to the cemetery, you can take all you want. They're free. Just take them. They're done with. But she was just convinced that they had given her used flowers, and that's not at all what had happened. But, but when, when we sat around the table that night, they said, we can't do that. We tried it once. We got burned. We're never doing that again. Till the day I left that church, I could go down in the basement, go to the kitchen. There, the refrigerator was here. There was a cabinet over here. I could open that cabinet up, and inside that cabinet, flower vases. <laughs> I, I used to steal one every now and then and give it to Trish with flowers in it. They, they were never going to get used. They were never going to be used. I thought, surely they're making a big deal out of this, but one day I was at a funeral. And this, is, this had happened like 15, 20 years earlier. One day I was at a funeral, and the lady who had received the flowers happened to be there. Not the dead one, the other one. Um, man, maybe the dead one was there, I don't know. And she, she drug me aside, and she said, I need to talk to you sometime I need to tell you what they did to me. I really just wanted to say, suck it up. You know, get, get over it. It, it, was, it was a mistake. They, they made a mistake. But, you know, the worst part of that was they never did it again. They never encouraged anyone again. And at the res, as a result, there wasn't much connection in that church. They struggled with relationships. They struggled to get along. As far as I know, they still do. They had tried to encourage and they got burned and they were not going to let it happen again. Let me tell you about another church I was at. This is a church that's so connected that, that out in their entry area, they have, a, they have a little file cabinet. And every family, not only that attends that church, but every family that has any connection at all to that church has a file. And in that file, on any given week you can go out there and you can find cards and letters i when i show up at that church they say you haven't been here to check your mail for a while you've got mail and, and they they still have mail for me and my family every week but everything they do they they do it together they do it to encourage do you see how destructive it can be when we stop encouraging when we stop knitting ourselves together Paul's warning here again in verse 4, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. That, that phrase, plausible arguments, think of it as slick lines or, or fast talk. And if you've ever had anyone try to give you some fast talk or slick lines, you know what they do is they get you off and away from everybody else because fast talk doesn't work on a group. It works on individuals. So they have to get you away from everybody else and give you their fast talk. And that, again, is why we're told to encourage each other, to encourage our hearts, to be knit together in love, to be welded together. I grew up down the road from Sam Honnold's uh, welding shop, right? And, and I remember when I was a kid riding my bike by there at night, and there would be that really bright light, and you would say, don't look at it, don't look at it, don't look at it, but your eyes were just drawn, and the next thing you know, you had this splitting headache. But, but I was always told about Sammy Honnold's welding, that if Sammy welded it, it might break again, but it would never break in that spot again, right? It would never break in that spot again. That's what Paul is calling for here. We might break. Something might come along that, that hurts, but it's not going to break in that spot. Once we're welded together, our lives are together, uh, we, we might break, but never in that spot again. 
The goal of this isn't just that we would be one, though. The goal of this isn't just that we be united, but that we might know Christ together. That's the goal of encouragement. Encouragement is wonderful. But the goal of encouragement isn't just encouragement. The the goal of being knit together isn't just to be knit together. Instead, the ultimate goal is that we know Jesus and know Him together. Again, look at verses 2 and 3. That their hearts might be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The way this is worded, knowing Christ is the consequence of the other two. Knowing Christ is the consequence of the life that we do together. Now you need to see the other side of that also. And the other side of it is you can't truly know Christ without doing life together. You can't truly know Christ unless we are knit together. Look again at at 2 and 3. He says, to reach all the riches of the full assurance of understanding of the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If you want full assurance of salvation, you're not going to find it on your own. You're going to find it together. If you want to know Christ, we're going to know Him together. We're going to find Him as a church as we are encouraged, as we are knit together, as we are called out together. And again, what's the warning? Verse 4, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Smooth talk. Slick lines. And there are a lot of, there are a lot of slick lines out there. Some of the slickest lines you'll ever hear are lines that say, you don't need the church. You don't need to go to church. It's not important. You know, you're busy. You've got other things going on. And, and you can meet God on your own time. You can worship God on your own. And you know what? I, I know you can. I know you can worship God on your own. But the call and the command from Scripture over and over again is that we do this together we do this for each other and the realization is it's not just about me being encouraged it's about me being an encourager and if i'm out there worshiping on my own i can't be the encourager to you that that i need to be we can't be encouragers to each other unless we're together people will never know how valuable they are to jesus until they know that they're valuable to us the very last verse in this text today has always meant a lot to me. Look, look at verse 5. This is a, it's one of my favorite scriptures. Verse 5, Paul says, For though I am absent in body, and I'll remind you again, he's never been here. He's never been to Colossae. And he's in prison right now. But he says, For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Long time ago, when, when I was in school, back when the earth's crust hadn't hardened yet, kids, you know, a long, long time ago, uh, when I was still in high school and, and a new Christian, um, a friend of mine wrote me a letter, a friend of mine from camp wrote me a letter and used that scripture, used Colossians 2, verse 5. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit, and I delight to see, I rejoice to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. And that scripture just suddenly meant a lot to me. I, I'd never seen it before. 
That Scripture came to mean a lot to me. Wow, I, I really treasured that. And so I started using it in letters that I would write. When I would write someone a letter, I would throw in Colossians 2.5 as kind of my signature there at the end. And, and, and I, would, I would use that letter a lot. I, I don't write a lot of letters, but when I do, I still try to use that Scripture. I may not be with you physically today, but I am with you in spirit. We are knit together in love. And when I see how strong your faith is, I thank God for you. I am encouraged by you. Let me ask, is, is there someone in your life who would love to know that's true? Can you think of anybody right now? You, know, you can raise your hand. It's okay. I'm not going to call on you. Is there someone? Thank you. What is your name again? No. <laughs> Seriously, is, is there someone you can think of right now, just off the top of your head? Someone I know needs to hear that. I haven't seen them for a while, but they mean the world to me. And they need to know that even though we're not together physically, we're not present in the same room, my heart is still with them, and they mean a lot to me. And, and I, I am encouraged just to know that their faith is strong. I am encouraged to know uh, that they are strong in their faith. That might be important to someone that you know, someone that you care about, someone that your life has been knit together with. And maybe it's someone you haven't seen for a while. Maybe, maybe they live somewhere else. Maybe they moved away, you know, and they, they've moved somewhere else. Or, or maybe it's someone who just hasn't been to church for a while. Maybe it's someone who, who hasn't been around for a while. How much would it mean to them to know that even though they're not here, we're still thinking about them, that, that, that we love them, and that our hearts are still with them? So a couple months ago, as I started preparing this sermon series, I gave this verse to Shirley. I, told, I showed her Colossians 2.5, and I said, can you make us some cards with this scripture. I mean, for those, is there anything better than getting a Shirley card? We, every time we get a Shirley card in the mail at home, it's, oh, it's a Shirley card. And, you know, it's kind of like Hallmark. You flip it over to see that stamps with Shirley on the back. And it's better than a Hallmark card. You know, Hallmark doesn't love you. You know Shirley loves you, you know. And, and someone cared enough to, to get a Shirley card and, and send it to you. So I asked Shirley, I said, can you, can you make us cards with this scripture on. And so she came up with some cards. And, uh, and out front, in the entry area, we've, we've put a table out there. And that table has a whole bunch of Shirley cards on it with that scripture. They're, they're simple little cards, and, and there are envelopes included. And what we're asking you to do today is just think about one person. You only get one card. Think about one person who might be encouraged to, to see that, to get that. And who would you want to send that card to? Who, who is a friend of yours who, who you need to let know that you, you miss them? That you miss seeing them? You miss being encouraged by them and you miss encouraging them. Who would you send that card to? We've got a few other cards out there too, some pre-made ones uh, that we've also purchased and, and they are out there along with envelopes for you to take and for you to mail off. Now, in addition to that, Hannah has taken that scripture and she has created several uh, images that are on our website, are on the Facebook page right now. And uh, those are on the Facebook page for you to use several different images using that same scripture. And for those of you who are on Facebook, all you got to do is click on the image that you like the best and uh, click on that little button that says share. And you can post that to someone's wall or you can send it in a private message to that person. But in one way or another, you can communicate that though you are absent from them in body, you are present with them in spirit. 
and you are encouraged by them, and you are offering encouragement to them. That they are valuable to you, and that they are vital to what we do as a church, as what we do as people who are called out. Someone you know, someone you love needs to hear that just as much as you need to hear that. So encourage them and be knit together. Let's stand together in prayer. We'll be done. Father, I know that we are blessed to have an encouraging church in the middle of an encouraging community. And I'm confident that each person here could tell stories of those small acts of kindness that someone else has has done for them that have helped knit us together, knit our hearts together in love. Today, we're asking that you would bring those people to mind who are in need of encouragement from us. And so let your Holy Spirit, who binds us together and walks with us, let Him call their names to remembrance so that we can offer them the encouragement that they need today. And we don't ask just for this encouragement for the sake of encouragement. We ask that by our kindness, they might know your Son even better. That they might be more sure of their salvation and more aware of your presence in their hurts and in their joys. Because we are present with them. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.